If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 5. If you'll remember, hopefully you do, we've been doing the Who's Your One campaign. Hopefully you've got your Who's Your One card with you this morning. We've been talking about this for some weeks now. If you've been here and do not have your Who's Your One card and do not have a name on it, well, I've just got one thing to say this morning. Repent. They're up here on the, the communion table. Come and get one and be obedient to the Lord. Uh, and leave this place with a Who's Your One card, a name on it, and hopefully a prayer on your lips and a concern in your heart. Back in the early 1960s, John F. Kennedy set a vision before America. He said, and I quote, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. Of course, we know that within that decade, John F. Kennedy's prediction, his challenge came to pass and NASA succeeded in putting a man on the moon. Now, this was a huge undertaking. Nothing like this had ever been tried before. How did it take place? Well, I believe the key was that NASA had a mission. You see, their mission wasn't to uh, to go to Mars. Their mission wasn't to see how many times that they could orbit the earth or put a, a, a rocket ship into space, but their specific mission was to put a man on the moon and they did not vary. They did not turn to the right or to the left from that mission and they were able to succeed. Well, it's easy for us to get caught up in the idea of missions but then turn to the right hand or turn to the left. We get caught up in programs and people's comfort and people's ideas of styles of worship that we're supposed to do and we forget that Jesus has left us with a specific mission and we should not turn to the right or to the left. Let me just illustrate that this morning. I want to do this and I'm going to move on quickly. Did you see Charles or hear him say amen when that Carolina thing come up on him? Well, everybody in here knows that Charles is a Carolina fan. So I'm going to use a sports analogy there, Mr. Charles. You've heard me do this before, but it's just so apt I've got to do it again. I hear people all the time, they'll be watching sports and they'll say, man, we beat them. Man, we really socked it to them. And I'm going to just pick a team... Uh, you know, the, the New York Giants. And they'll get, they'll say, man, we're, we're going to be playing in the Super Bowl next week. And I say, you ever been to New York? No. You ever been to the stadium? No. Have you ever stepped foot on a football field? No. Well, how are we going to do anything? Well, I'm going to tell you what, 
in churches all across America, there's people that are sitting there with that same idea. They don't want to get off the sidelines and actually get into the game and adopt that mission. I, I, I talked to a, a lady just last week and she was thinking about leaving her church and she said something like this, well, they're just trying to reach those young people and they don't sing the hymns anymore and it's all this old contemporary music. And, and I said, well, please don't come to our church because you'll bring that negative attitude and ruin what we got going on. It ain't about me. It's about the mission that God has set us out to do. We're going to read about that this morning. It's time to get off the sidelines and everyone get in the game. And you thought I, I wasn't kidding when I said if you don't have a who's your one card and you've not put a, a name on that thing and you're not praying for that person and you're not making plans to reach out to that person, you're on the sidelines and you're not in the game. And the challenge this morning is to repent and get that thing right with God. Well, in this story, Jesus, in the first year of his ministry, He's preached the Sermon on the Mount. People are following him everywhere he goes. Uh, he's come to Capernaum. He's surrounded by these big crowds. He's teaching inside a home, and this home is packed with people. And we read about this paralyzed man, beginning in verse number 17 of chapter number 5. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling which, uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speak, uh, speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And, all, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Just three or four quick things about this passage. Number one, these men were on a mission, driven by love. You see, they had a friend here that was in need. They had a friend that could not help himself get to where he needed to be to receive what he needed to receive. So they set out on a mission. You see, mission ought to drive us. When I was in the Marine Corps, one of the uh, uh, main things that they taught and they taught and they taught, the most important thing is the mission. If necessary, you sacrifice all to accomplish the mission. Well, church, God has given us a mission. What is that mission? To make disciples. We 
uh, receive that directly from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus had a mission statement in Luke chapter number 19. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Well, that goes along with making disciples. So that mission statement ought to be our mission statement. And if we're here for any other reason, if we look to be obedient in any other way than to make disciples, if that is not the center of our focus and our mission, we're headed to the right and we're headed to the left and we need to come back to the center and focus on the mission. You see, these men were on a mission driven by love. Well, my question is, what drives you? What things spiritually has God put in your heart that you long to see come to fruition in your lifetime? Do you have kingdom dreams such as people coming to faith in Christ? Listen, we could tear down this building this morning and burn it to the ground. We could never meet back up on top of this hill in this beautiful place and this cool, uh, with all of this uh, cool air condition around us. But we could still be the church fulfilling God's mission as long as we keep our eyes on what's important. Number two, these men encountered an obstacle that threatened to stop them. You see what the Bible says right there? They were on a mission. They had a friend. They were concerned about that friend. They realized that friend had a need and they were going to get him to the person that could meet that need. But the the house was so crowded. They brought in a bed, uh, a man which was taken with a palsy. They sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. But, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. Hey, they ran into a problem. There was an obstacle that got in their way. As we read this story, I mean, we can sense the, the urgency of this man. Perhaps he had seen Jesus before and they just couldn't risk him getting away one more time without laying eyes on this man and this man receiving from him. I don't know all of the details, but what I do know, they were trying everything to get him to Jesus. They ran into an obstacle. Now, when we run into obstacles, oftentimes what do we do? We turn around and we go the other way. The least little difficulty, the least, oh, listen, I work so hard. My job's got me so busy. My children got to play all these ball games. All of these obstacles that come our way and we let those things stop us from keeping laser focused on the mission which ought to be getting people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't let that stop them, did they? Can you imagine? They were willing to tear the roof off of somebody's house that wasn't their own to get this man to the Lord Jesus. Here's the God of the universe in a powerful meeting with the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious rulers. They didn't care about none of that. They were willing to take whatever risk it was, whatever was necessary to get this man to the place that he was willing to be. And oftentimes we're not even willing to risk getting up off the couch and turning off the TV so that some, you know how I know that every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Most Tuesdays, we've had some obstacles here in the way uh, recently, but we got all these people sitting in here on this Sunday morning. We do this thing called 2020 when we go out into the community and we try to share Jesus and we have five show up. We're lucky. Amen. Amen. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. You see, these men encountered an obstacle. And because they were on a mission, they were not going to let that thing stop them. They were going to get him to Jesus any way they could. And our mission this morning ought to be to pick that one, to pray for that one. And listen, be willing to do whatever it is, whatever it takes. Rip the roof off of the place, tear the building down. 
to get that person to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only thing that's going to help this world one person at a time that needs him. Amen and amen. I, hey, if you won't say amen, I'll say it myself. The world needs Jesus and we've got him and we ought to give him to the people that need him. These men encountered an obstacle, but they didn't care. They weren't going to let that stop them. Hey, they was going to rip the roof off the place if it uh, needed to take place to get this man to Jesus. Well, they laid him down there and you know the story. These men, not only were they on a mission, they were willing to overcome obstacles, but they had an expectation that Jesus was going to do something that was driven by faith. Listen, the Bible says right here, they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, and when he saw their faith, not only were they willing to do whatever was necessary, they were willing to exercise their faith. And that demonstrated to the Lord Jesus Christ that they really meant that thing. You know, you've heard me say this so many times. You stop and you think, why in the world would people get into airplanes and fly those airplanes into buildings and knowing good and well that they're going to die in the process? Well, I can tell you why. They mean that thing. In the world, we say, why in the world are we not having an impact? Because the world sees us come and gather on Sunday and raise our hands and then go out there and live and we don't look a bit different than they do. And they say, do they really mean that thing? You see, these men were driven by faith that mattered and it meant something to them. And they were willing to take whatever risk it was. Jesus saw their faith and it drove him to action. The Bible says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One. One. Would you like to see some rejoicing in heaven? You're one. You don't have to win 10,000, just one. And the angels will rejoice. That's what, that's what the Word says. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Now, somebody did a study sometime back and all the people that Jesus healed, there's roughly 40. But out of that 40, 34 were brought to Jesus. They didn't come on their own. They were brought. Um, now think about that. They were brought. They weren't invited. They were brought. They were physically taken by the hand and led, brought to Jesus. Now we've got a lot of activities that invite people to church, do we not? We put things out there on the sign. We send out flyers. But they don't come for the most part. Well, six out of 40 roughly is what the, the, the Bible ratio is. So what can we do to overcome that? Don't invite them. Bring them. Say to that person, will you come with me to church? 
Now, I want to do that one more time. You get that? Not will you come to church. Will you come with me to church? So that means get up in time to go pick them up, open your door, get in, let them ride in the front seat. If they're like Shane, they get car sick in the the back seat. Hey, will you come with me to church? Bring them to church. Don't invite them to come to church, but say, hey, will you come with me to church? Well, that's what these men did, didn't they? They brought their friend to Jesus. They didn't say, hey, Jesus is over there preaching in some house. If you can get to him, oh, no. They were willing to do whatever it took to bring their friend to the Lord Jesus. Well, I'm going to close with this. When these men did this, so they had a mission. They weren't going to let no obstacle stop it. They brought their friend to Jesus. They experienced far more than they ever dreamed could take place. You see, like us, they thought this man's problem was that he was paralyzed. But Jesus understood that his real problem was that he needed to be forgiven of his sins. He took care of the most important problem first. Oh, but they still got the healing. You see... The friends did all of this. They saw Jesus forgive the man and then heal the man. And in verse 26, it said, And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things today. Church, I'd like to get on a mission to see some strange things today. I mean things that blow our mind that go far and above and beyond what we could hope for and all that we could ask and even what we could think but if we're going to see those strange things and we're going to experience more than we could ever hope we're going to have to get on a mission listen there's going to be obstacles hey the devil may put things in your path to try to stop you but we got to be willing to do whatever's necessary to get that person to Jesus whatever it takes and by faith believe that he can forgive them believe that he can heal them and I believe if we do that we can experience far more than we ever expected there was a young salesman he'd just lost a major sale and well He'd really counted on that bonus because he had a family that fell through and he was upset. So he called up an old friend and a mentor who was a marketing manager in a big business, very successful. He shared his frustration with him. and Well, he was looking for some guidance and maybe just somebody throw a pity party with him. I don't know. In the course of the conversation, the young man shrugged his shoulders and said, Well, I guess you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. The marketing manager smiled and looked at the young man and he said, Son, your job's not to make them drink. Your job's to make them thirsty. The church, the Bible says we're to be salt. And salt makes people thirsty. And listen, if we'll be salt like Jesus commanded us to be, they'll be thirsty for the living water but we got to get out there in the world and be that salt that he commands us to be and we can only do that if we're willing 
to accept the mission of reaching one for Christ. I said our church could double in size by the end of 2019 if each of us would reach one. Not for numbers on for our glory, but for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to say once again, if you're here today and you're lost, get saved. But church, really, this is for you. If you've not yet accepted this challenge, if you've lost your card, if you've neglected to do it, repent. Come today. Accept that challenge. Get on board with the mission of God. Pray and ask Him to give you that one. And then like these men in this story, be willing to rip roofs off the house to get that person to Jesus. And if we do that, we can see Him do things beyond what we could ever imagine. Terry, you sing church. You stand. I'm going to have these up here. They're up front. If you've not yet got, got one, I know I'm taking a risk, but I, God's in control. If you don't yet have one, listen, you come and you get one today. Listen, if you've not yet reached out to that person, come today and say, God, help me. Give me the courage. Give me the strength. Whatever it takes. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I reached out to my one last week and it didn't go too good. Amen. It didn't. But God didn't give me an option. And he didn't change the one. So I've got to find a way around, a way over, a way up. What's that old Marine Corps motto? Uh, uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Rip the roof off the house if I need to, to reach that one. Why? Boy, I'd like to see angels in heaven rejoicing. All hearts and minds clear.